0: Hey everyone, this is Joey Fife from thephysicaleducator.com. Welcome back to the Phys Ed Show podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be looking at how in physical education class, you can co-construct success criteria with your students. Let's dive into it. Hey everyone, my name is Joey Fight. I'm the founder of thephysicaleducator.com and a PE pedagogy coach here in Nova Scotia, Canada. Welcome back to the Phys Ed Show podcast. So in today's episode, like I said, we're going to be exploring how to co-create success criteria with students to increase ownership, motivation, engagement, and meaning. So the idea for this podcast came from a discussion that I had with a fellow PE teacher over on Phys Ed U. And I'll talk about that in just a second here. Jennifer Smith, who's an incredible phys ed teacher out in Colorado, uh, put out a question about co-constructing success criteria, which is something that she does herself in her own teaching, and I decided to do a bit of a deep dive into the practice to see what I could learn and try to apply a physical education lens to some of the steps that the experts suggest that we follow. Now, before we get into the episode, I have two quick announcements to make. First off, how the heck are you? It's been a minute since I recorded one of these episodes and I'm sitting here hoping that you even remember who I am. So um, jokes aside, I'm very excited to be podcasting again and I plan to do so on a regular basis from here on out. My plan is to record one of these bad boys on a weekly basis so you can expect a new episode every Thursday. Now to follow through on this promise, I'm going to start exploring the idea of micro episodes, short straight to the point episodes that explore one key idea that you can use in your teaching. So when I say, short, I'm talking about like 10 minutes or less. So when I was writing all of my atomic essays two summers ago, I had a lot of fun playing with the constraint of trying to keep them around 350 words. I want to try and take that aspect of fun that I was having with that process and bring it here to these podcasts. Now that's not going to mean that all the episodes are going to be micro-episodes, like today's is going to be longer and I have some cool guests lined up that I'm really excited to, to interview and share that with you, but definitely some of them will be micro-episodes. Anyways, it's nice to be back in your ear holes and I would love to know what you think of the micro-episode idea. So hit me up on Twitter um, to let me know what your thoughts are and we'll see if we can uh, keep adding to that format there. Now the second thing I want to talk about before we dive in here is Fizedu the membership-based professional growth community that I quietly launched back in June and I've been dedicating most of my energy and attention to ever since. So for years, I've had teachers ask me to consider starting a membership site for thephysicaleducator.com just to make it easier to access the resources that I create and share there. Now, like with most things that I do, I really took my time exploring options and intentionally designing something that was... Both innovative, but also that tied into my vision of every child on the planet having access to effective, meaningful physical education. PhysEDU's purpose is to help you unlock and grow your potential to be an outstanding physical educator. I'm so incredibly passionate about the project and the community that we're building there, and I really hope that you'll consider joining us on campus. Now, there are a variety of membership options, each with its own set of benefits. And these benefits include everything from access to exclusive posts and content, members only events and workshops, a brand new games database, and of course, instant access to all of the premium resources that you can find on thephysicaleducator.com. Now, when I did the soft launch back in June, I created a discount code, and that code is ONWARD. If you use that code at checkout when you're purchasing an annual membership, you'll get 20% off of your annual membership. I told myself that I was going to keep that code for the first 50 people who are going to sign up with it. And there are a couple spaces left. So if you're interested in joining and you're looking to save a little bit of money on your membership, use that Onward code at checkout. If there's anything you'd like to learn more about and see if VisitU is a good fit for you, visit thephysicaleducator.com slash membership. Again, that's thephysicaleducator.com slash membership. All right, let's dive into today's episode. All right, let's start off by defining success criteria. Basically, success criteria are the like atom-sized indicators that are going to help both teachers and students recognize success when it's being demonstrated. Using success criteria in your teaching can have a huge impact on student learning. The people over at Visible Learning have found that it has an effect size of 0.88. And the co-construction process is a proven way to increase relevancy, clarity, and motivation within your students. Okay, so full disclosure, although I did try to co-construct learning targets, or at least unpack them with my students as often as possible, I wouldn't say that it was something that was very routine in my teaching. I wasn't fully aware of the impact of it, and I didn't have a clear understanding of how to approach it. So what I'm sharing here is all based on my research and my own reflection, and not so much on my experience. That said, what I am sharing is a summary of a lot of different sources, including my own take on it through a PE lens. I'll be sharing a lot of those sources in the show notes for this episode, But I do want to give a shout out to Jennifer Gonzalez, who is the host of the Cult of Pedagogy podcast. In her episode 167, she had guest star Saxine on it. And they did a great job of kind of walking you through this process. Uh, A lot of what I'm presenting here overlaps what was shared there. So I really recommend that you check out that episode. Um, But I am adding a lot of um, additional information that I kind of found and trying to figure out how to make it work in physical education. All right. Let's dive into the steps that you can use to co-construct success criteria with your students. Before we get into the first step of this process, I actually wanna talk about step zero, which involves laying the groundwork for all of this to actually work. Now to make the co-construction process as meaningful and effective as possible, we first have to work on creating conditions in which that practice can actually thrive. For example, let's say you arrive to a new school where students have only ever experienced roll out the ball PE for lack of a better name if you dove right into the co-constructing uh, co-construction of success criteria with those students the gap between that approach to learning and what they're used to would be so great that it would be jarring and it would ruin your chances of it actually working so in other words baby steps are the key here so here are some of the student beliefs that can help create the conditions in which this practice can thrive Students should believe that physical education is about learning. That learning in PE will help them live a richer, healthier life. That they have everything it takes to successfully learn in PE. That success criteria will help them learn in PE by giving them a target to work towards. And finally, when it comes to their own learning, they are in the driver's seat. These beliefs can help boost student motivation As they support feelings of relatedness, competence, and autonomy. Now here are some actual teacher strategies to help support these student beliefs in PE. So the first is to communicate and celebrate the why of your program as often as possible. I've blogged before about my own adventure theme in my teaching and our physical literacy mural that we created at our school. Those are just examples and they're also dated. What I mean by that is that my thinking has actually grown since then. The why of your program is something that would be wonderful to co-construct with students. For example, how can PE help you get the most out of life? I'm working on two resources right now, a personal physical literacy map and a physical literacy bingo card that could help with the celebration part. And I'll share those soon, so make sure you're following me on Twitter, uh, which is probably where I'll be sharing them once they're created. Now, the second strategy is to focus on creating a culture of thinking and learning in PE. Culture changes take time. Supporting student motivation by designing lessons that promote relatedness, competence, and autonomy can help accelerate the process. Ron Richart, who's the author of a book called Creating Cultures of Thinking, also identifies eight forces that impact the culture in your classroom. Those forces include expectations, language, time, modeling, opportunities, routines, interactions, and the environment. If you'd like to learn more about those, I actually wrote a blog post that kind of breaks each one of them down and talks a little bit about how you could bring it to physical education. I'll leave that in the show notes. Now, the next strategy to support those student beliefs that we listed earlier is to use the features of meaningful physical education to enhance meaning making and personal relevance in your teaching. By being mindful of the way that you are baking fun, social interaction, motor competence, challenge, and delight into your teaching, you can help boost the level of personal relevance that students experience in your lessons, which can help increase buy-in and engagement. If you want to learn more about meaningful physical education, I definitely check, uh, recommend that you check out the LAMP blog, um, which is the learning about meaningful PE uh, blog. Uh, I'll link it in the show notes. I also really recommend that you check out Sporticus's blog. I love his writing, and he's shared some really interesting posts on this topic. I especially like his uh, his post on advocating for meaningful experiences in PE and his other post that's titled, What is personal, uh, Personally Relevant Learning in PE? The last thing I would recommend is there's an amazing paper by uh, Doug Gleddy and Andrew Morgan that's titled, Physical Literacy Praxis, a Theoretical Framework for Transformative Physical Education. All of those resources together have really helped shape my understanding of meaningful PE and how we can use the features of that framework to increase that meaning-making and that personal relevance in our teaching. Okay, next, focus on communicating high expectations for all students. Communicating high expectations for all students doesn't just mean setting challenging, rigorous goals for their learning. It also involves helping them believe that you believe that they are all capable of achieving success. Now, according to research, the foundation of this is positive student-teacher relationships, and those are influenced by three key factors: warmth, trust, and empathy. I break all of these down in a massive post that I shared on PhysedU called "Building a Sense of Belonging in Physical Education." Um, if you're on PhysedU, I definitely recommend that you check that one out as. I did a deep dive full of rabbit holes where I really broke it all down and share a lot of practical strategies that can help you in your teaching. Now, on the more practical side, sharing positive mantras with your students is a simple way to remind them that despite learning being challenging at times, you believe in them. Examples of these mantras could be we all fail before we sell or always be a Yeti. I have resources that can you can post in your gym to help students remember that or you were made to do hard things. I also love Randy Springs huge banner that states, I notice you, I care about you, and I want you to succeed. Check out my blog post on how to support a growth mindset in PE for more ideas on how you can try and communicate these high expectations for all students and help them trust that you truly believe in their ability to succeed. Now, the last strategy I want to cover is to make success criteria part of your lesson's routines. The best way to help students see the value of success criteria and start using them to guide their learning is to actually use criteria on a regular basis in your teaching. The what, why, how system is a simple way to bake success criteria into your lessons. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the what, why, how system, it's a way of starting your lessons off with a discussion that answers three questions. What are we learning today? Why are we learning that? How will we know once we've learned it? The what helps set the learning intention for your your lesson. And we'll talk a little bit later on about how that intention is basically a way of communicating the grade level outcome that you're working towards. The why helps set the purpose and helps students make meaning. And this is where there's a really cool opportunity to tie into those features of meaningful PE that we talked about earlier. Finally, the how, that sets the learning targets and the success criteria for the lesson. I honestly think that starting your lessons off of what, why, how is such an incredibly high leverage practice that even if you're having a harder time kind of grasping the three different questions and how to best answer them, doing something is going to have such a huge impact on the direction of your lesson that it's worthwhile allowing yourself to grapple with it over time. Now, that said, if you want to be able to improve your ability to write what, why, how statements that are going to really support your students' learning and help develop those beliefs that we talked about earlier, I am more than happy to review your what, why, how. I did this earlier this year with Cliff Roop, and it was a ton of fun to just kind of work through a little bit of how you could rephrase certain statements in order to maximize their effectiveness. So if you've got what why how statements that you want me to check out, feel free to send them my way. What I might do is I might just do like a little YouTube video uh, where I walk through a couple different ones, give a couple suggestions so that we can all learn and grow together. Now, I also want to share one cool suggestion that I came across in my research was that, which was to have a discussion with your students at the start of the year to explore the question, how do you know when you have learned something? What you can do with their answers, you can gather up all their responses and then keep them posted in your gym. Kind of like what I did with the Habits of Successful Learners mural that I learned from Terry Drain years ago at EPW. Uh, Shout out to the uh, EPW family, Um, which was basically to unpack what successful learners do and then highlight the students' responses and leave them in the gym so that students could refer back to them um, to be used as, as strategies as they grapple with their learning. I think answering that question, how do you know when you've learned something, can help students become more in tune with looking for evidence in their own performance to gauge where they are in their own learning and mastery of of the content or the skills that are being learned. Okay, so that was a lot of strategies. And I'm not saying that you need to do all of those things. And I'm going to go ahead and assume that you're probably already doing some of those things already in your teaching. I just wanted to share all this here with you to encourage you to reflect on the beliefs that might be lacking amongst your students that are making it hard for them to get really into this practice of co-constructing success criteria and to give you some options that you can try to explore to see if you can better support those beliefs in your physical education lessons. So that said, once you've kind of laid the groundwork here and set those conditions for this practice to kind of take root and take off, you're ready for the next step, which is to unpack the learning intention with your students. All right. So again, definitions matter. The learning intention is a statement of learning to come. It's the what part of your what, why, how, and would usually be what you have under the got it level of your learning roadmaps which is directly linked to and built from the grade level outcomes that through a grappling process, you designed your unit around. If you're on phys you be sure to go to the reading space to check out the post that I wrote on grappling of grade level outcomes. It's a monster post, but I really walk you through the entire process and especially how my thinking has changed over the years to make you really comfortable with it so that you're gaining that sense of clarity when working with grade level outcomes in PE. All right. So when it comes to learning intentions, academic language matters. If the intention uses language that is unfamiliar to the students, then they can be turned off from learning. So to counter this, spend some time at the start of the unit unpacking your learning intentions. In that interview on the Cult of Pedagogy podcast, educational consultant and teacher, Star Saxe, suggests the following process for achieving this. So have students work in small groups, Give each group a printed version of your learning intention. Again, that's the got it indicators from your learning roadmap. Have the groups annotate the learning intention by highlighting verbs, nouns, and any other language pieces they see as being relevant to learning. Oftentimes, the verbs relate to the skills that are to be learned and the nouns relate to the concepts. Then, invite groups to discuss the highlighted items, trying to make sense of them together based on their prior knowledge and experience. Have each group then rewrite the learning intention in language that they are more comfortable with and then bring the groups together to discuss their results, the academic language that will be used in the unit, and any questions that they may still have. The goal here is to help your students develop a strong sense of clarity in regard to the learning they're about to engage in. Saxena also suggests that you go through this process as a full group of your students at the start of the year to model each step before attempting the small group approach. Now, this may or may not work in your teaching reality as a physical educator. If this approach isn't feasible, here's another kind of simpler way to go about helping make sure that your students are clear as to what they're about to learn. And just a heads up, this is heavily inspired by a lot of the work that my good friend and amazing teacher, Andy Vasley has shared over the years. Okay, so first of all, on a huge sheet of paper and in big, big writing, write out the learning intention for the unit. Highlight, what what I mean by that is like circle or underline, any relevant academic language that is used in the intention. Next, give each student two small stickers, a yellow one and a green one. Now, alternatively, if if you teach like a crazy large group, uh, you could do this with just one, just the yellow one. Invite each student to go up to the learning intention and put their yellow sticker next to any language that they're unfamiliar with. And their green sticker next to any language that they are comfortable with. What this will do is that it will give you a clear idea as to what language needs to be explained or unpacked with your class in order to move forwards together with clarity. So a key idea here is that now that you've gone through the work to clarify academic language, use that language regularly and encourage your students to do the same. If you have one set up in your gym, consider adding this language to your word wall. What you want is for the students to be able to use the language as they engage in learning in order to be able to grow their vocabulary and have the kinds of academic discussions with their peers that are going to enhance learning. Okay, so that's it for step one. Let's move on to step two, which involves breaking down exemplars of success. So the goal of this step is to help students see the end product. Whatever your intention is, you want them to have a clear idea of what it actually looks like. If you maintain digital portfolios, so let's say you've got a Google Classroom set up, you use Seesaw, or you're just using Google Drive like I did, you may have access to work from past students that can actually serve this purpose. If not, consider reaching out to colleagues or searching the web for examples that you could use. However you decide to go about it, it seems that using examples of student work is way more powerful than showing adult performances or teacher-created examples. Now, just a little side note here. Another interesting point that came up in my research is that there is more value to only showing examples of quality work than showing non-examples or weak examples of work. I thought anchor portfolios might work best by showing what not yet, getting there, got it, and wow could look like. But now I see that taking that approach might actually not be as effective as I originally thought. This is because of two reasons. First of all, it can be overwhelming. It's a lot of information. It's very time consuming to do that, especially in a specialty subject like phys ed. But more importantly, it might also promote a "Cs get degrees kind of mentality by having students only do the minimum required. So just a little food for thought. However you decide to go about it, that's your own business. But I definitely think that there's a lot of value to only showing what successful learning looks like. Okay, so you've shared examples of success to your students. Now have those students engage in discussions around them to break down what makes the work so good. Use small groups for this and consider using an equity-based discussion protocol to boost engagement, voice, and belonging within your classroom. So think pair shares or walk and talks could work really well here. Once this discussion phase is over, have the groups share what they've determined were the indicators of successful work. You could use a group based whip around protocol, which is each group has to write down a certain amount of criteria and then one group shares and any group that had that same criteria scratches it off their list. And then you keep going around group to group until you have as many different criteria as possible so that each group feels that they've contributed to the process. Now, what's happened here is that the students have identified the success criteria. Now it's your job to turn those criteria into I can statements that will guide learning throughout your lesson or unit. Okay. So just two quick ideas before we move on to the next step. If your students end up identifying a ton of criteria, like too much to actually cover and with many suggestions that don't carry that much weight, narrow down their suggestions by putting it to a vote, write all the suggestions down on a sheet or on your whiteboard and give each student three stickers. Have them place a sticker next to the top three criteria that they think are the most important. From there, only move forward with the criteria that received the most votes. If you check out um, Andy's Twitter feed, you'll see that he just used a very similar process to this when helping his students determine the actions that would demonstrate responsibility in physical education class. The other suggestion I wanted to share was to follow up the unpacking process by having your students complete a KWL sheet. So that's know, wonder, learn. Under the know column, they can put any criteria they feel that they have already mastered in their everyday performance. Under wonder, they can put criteria they feel that they need to continue to work on. And then as they continue to learn in class, they can fill out that learn column as well. Not only do KWL sheets help you as an educator determine how to best support each student. Again, it supports that belief that students are in the driver's seat of their own learning by helping them identify goals that they want to work towards and that are meaningful to them. Okay, step three for co-constructing success criteria students is to look at learning activities through the success criteria. This step can be especially important for PE since kids tend to get caught up in the game and forget why they're even playing it in the first place. Once you've introduced the game, invite your students to reflect on the success criteria that they have co-constructed with you. Ask them to reflect on, what does success look like in this game? Or, why do you think we are playing this game today? Or even, how can our success criteria help us perform better or have more fun in the game? The goal here is to bring a strong sense of learning to the activity. At this point, the students have a crystal clear idea of what learning looks like, so working on mastery through the game should be much easier for them. Alright, so the fourth and final step is to use rubrics as reflection tools. The students have now broken down your unit's learning intentions into success criteria that make sense to them. This understanding can help them make better use of the learning roadmap that you've designed for this unit. And by the way, I've talked about learning roadmaps a couple times here. Learning roadmaps are qualitative, student-friendly rubrics that we can design for our teaching that break the learning intention down into three key indicators. If you want to learn more about learning roadmaps, check out the link that I shared in the show notes for this episode. All right, last thing about learning roadmaps. A good practice would be to revise your learning roadmap based on the success criteria your students have identified. This is the ultimate way of showing that their voice matters and that you're taking into account in order to set the intentions for learning. Now, you don't have to do it for this year if you've already created your learning roadmap, but save that information because you'll be able to use it for next year to ensure that the indicators that you've crafted are in line with what students believe success looks like. The process of co-constructing success criteria students should have helped them develop a stronger sense of ownership over their learning, increased their perceived value in success criteria and rubrics, and brought more meaning to the activities that you play in class. Now that they're empowered by this sense of ownership, continue to encourage it by having your students use rubrics to reflect on their learning progress and continuously set new goals for their learning. Assessment magnets work great here, especially if you're using the learning roadmap for levels, using assess- assessment magnet just to go in and check in and move it at your own discretion is a great way to celebrate learning. Another tool that came up often in my research were single point rubrics. And if you're a PhysEdU you member, pay- make sure that you watch the uh, goals and growth space because I'm currently writing a post to break down single point rubrics and showcase how they can be used in physical education. So... However you decide to go about it, following through these steps, co-constructing success criteria for your students, what you've done is that you've put your students in the driver's seat of their learning. Now you got to keep them there, and that's the hard part, but you were built to do hard things. Remember to keep that Yeti mindset, remember that we always fail before we sell, and just know that we all believe in you. Everybody, I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Physed podcast. Um, if you'd like to learn more and uh, get these podcasts in the future, make sure that you subscribe. Anybody who goes out and leaves a review on the show, I really truly appreciate it. It goes a long way in terms of helping other people discover it. Um, but I'm really committed to bringing as much value as possible on a weekly basis in this format. One last time, if you want to sign up for Physed and I really think that you're going to benefit from it, Make sure that you use that onward code at checkout to save 20% off of any of the annual memberships. That's any of the annual memberships across the three tiers that are offered. Um, Like I said, I I think that you'll instantly find value as soon as you join us on campus. And I would just love to continue to learn and grow with you uh, along the way. So that's it for me today. Once again, my name is Joey Fight from thephysicaleducator.com. I hope that this uh, brought value to you and you learned something here today. And I hope that everything this school year is going well, that you remember to take care of yourself and that you're having a ton of fun in your teaching. I'll talk to you next week. Happy teaching.